you both hanging out with Radio Tay. What's up, Raybridge? What's going on? Uh, it's hard. Lessons. I know, it's right? Yeah, uh, Wetway's got it in the film studio. Mary Goulet is uh, out with, uh, to answer these questions, well, unfortunately, her boyfriend's dad is not doing so good. So our uh, lovely Mary Goulet and Dave and his family. Until they share their proven tactics and strategies. Okay. So here on the Best Business Podcast, uh, we do sit down with entrepreneurs who have either exited for more than $10 million or currently run $10 million plus businesses. And uh, we got some pretty exciting folks coming up, and uh, not the least of which actually we were just talking about Roland Frazier. Uh, Roland Frazier is going to be joining us from uh, Digital Marketer, among other companies that he's a part of. And uh, Naveen Jain, who is a billionaire, is going to be hanging out with us. And uh, we'll have Dave Woodward from uh, ClickFunnels. I was a partner over there at that hundred and plus twenty hundred and twenty million dollar plus business, and a number of other uh, really awesome entrepreneurs uh, are going to be joining us. And today we're joined by Melissa Melissa Krivichek. Did I uh, did I completely butcher it, Melissa, or where am I even close? You're kind of close. How would you say it? So it's Kravacic. Kravacic. Got it. Thank you for the pronunciation. I will never say your last name again in this interview, but uh, at least I'll (laughs) I'll know what it is for future reference here. Um, all right, so right out of the gate, I mean, we'll get into your story and so on and so forth, but how, how do you meet the criteria uh, for the Best Business Podcast based on either a $10 million exit or a $10 million business? Yeah, so great question. I have actually been in business for 11 years, and I've run a consulting agency, sold it last year, got into doing a very massive event. So in both cases, I meet the, I meet the criteria, um, but it's all about being obsessed and driven and passionate about what you do yeah well let's um let, let's start with the particulars first and then we'll uh we'll get into more around the the passion and so on um so the agency so you're saying that the agency that you built you sold that for more than 10 million dollars yeah so i did not build an agency i actually bought a consulting firm um we had dozens of employees working for us and at the end of the day it was all about um, the team making that happen. However, in the last four years of running the firm, I just wasn't wasn't passionate about it. So it was time for me to let that go, but mm-hmm. stay in the same field. So what what sort of consulting were you doing uh, in that industry? What, what were you doing? Yeah, so I worked with over 250 millionaires. We've built businesses from 30 million to 300 million. We've, you know, taken... Um, businesses from one to 10, we've scaled over a hundred. We've done tons of things that were very private at my home in the office. Um, and so it was very, you had to have very specific criteria to even become a client of ours. And we were very quiet about what that looked like. Mm -hmm. So business strategy, is that what we're talking about? You were basically helping from a business strategy standpoint and from helping with growth and, and revenue and operations, et cetera. We actually just focused on the sales aspect of it. So we took sales teams and, yeah, everything was revolved around sales. So oftentimes a lot of people, you know, spend a lot of money on consulting or the next event or uh, mentoring or any and all of those types of things. And what ends up happening is they don't focus on what really needs to be focused on, and that is sales inside of their business. Ain't that the truth. So So what was the name of that business? Um, so it was just my name, Melissa Kravacic Companies. Got it. And so you were the the founder, the CEO. Take it. Take us back to some of the embryonic stages. Then, so uh, I mean, you're you're 
in your thirties now, right? I mean, you're, you're, you just, you know, we're not talking to someone who's, you know, been doing this for 40 years. I mean, you were, you were in your, what, in your twenties when you started that, right? I was 19 actually. You were 19. Yes. Wow. wow. So I was 19. <laughs> and I know you had started selling when you were very young. I mean, uh, like really young. And so yeah. this always has come naturally to you, but you know, a lot of what, I think people have hangups about is not feeling qualified to actually be able to help someone. So how on God's green earth at 19 years of age, did you reconcile this, this whole issue of age and experience and being able to, to start this consulting firm and help people? Like, how did you get your first client? Like, what did that look like? Uh, it was bad. <laughs> so my very first client, I, his name is Eric, and Eric is out of North Carolina. Him and his wife, Elise, have been married uh, for several years. They've got five children. They were running a fitness company. Um, their ex-partner bought them out, and they ended up um, having to live on the living room floor of his parents' home because they couldn't afford their lifestyle anymore after he got bought out. Um, and the problem was that he knew what to do. Like a lot of people who make millions of dollars know what to do, but they're not doing it or they know what to do, but it's scary to take that next step because that next step is not in their comfort zone. It's not in their zone of genius. It's not anything like that. So in that particular case, I regurgitated stuff I learned from YouTube and I would never recommend anybody do this. <laughs> I would also never recommend you do a buy one, get one free coaching or consulting um, <laughs> session, but that's what I did. Mm-hmm. So, so what, it took a lot of progression to move up to getting to the $10, $10 million mark. Um, and it came as a result of having conversations over and over. It also came as a result of believing in myself so much and what I did so much that I was able to increase my prices dramatically. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, let's just so we're clear here. I mean, we like to get down into the weeds and just make sure that we've got the specifics around this. So what, what did you charge that first client? And then what was that What was that next step to, to securing the, the, the next client and so on? So what, what did you charge that first client? Eric got charged $100 for um, one hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, it was buy one, get one free. So it was really $50 an hour. <laughs> but to me, back then, I was like, hey, mm-hmm. 100 bucks, right? Yeah. And that and- was more money than I'd ever made before. And you were helping him focus um, so on my, sales. So that was the idea is let me come in. Let me help you with this business. We're going to focus on revenue. Focus on revenue. Focus on self-confidence. Focus on clarity of what you're selling and to who. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't matter if you have awesome products or services. If you don't know who you're selling to, your prime prime client is the demographics and the psychographics of those people. You're already targeting the wrong the wrong audience to buy your stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was a hundred dollars. You're not going to want to talk like a dude that buys a Toyota to try to get him to buy a Rolex. Those two people are completely different demographics. Mm-hmm. So you charged him a hundred dollars. You gave him two hours. Yeah. What What did he get in return for that? Like what? Because you started. You alluded to that some of this knowledge that you had because you were 19 at the time. You were just regurgitating some. YouTube stuff. So, but you obviously yeah. had some form of success because that led to the next client. So what, what did that two hours get him? Yeah, I did. So this is 11 years ago. So I don't know exactly what it got him in terms of, um, a short term investment. It took three years for him to hit another million. Um, and that was, you know, just his mindset. It really, it was really in the toilet. 
Um, and I think a lot of people would feel the same way when you're in a position where you were doing what you love and then you get the rug pulled out from underneath you and you've got five children to provide for. So mm-hmm. um, it did take Eric three years to be, be a million dollar earner Yeah. Um, again. So let's, I want to try to move through this from start to finish. It was how long uh, between when you had your first client, Eric, and when you exited? What was the period of time? So I just exited last October. Last October. So I don't want to get too granular here, but uh, is that uh, 12 years? A little over 10 years. A little over 10 years. A little over 10 years. Okay. Nice. And so uh, take us through the, the, the process of scaling. And what did you was mm, did you just work with all of these people by yourself? Did you I absolutely mean, you ha- not? Absolutely <laughs> not. Right. So take us through the process of scaling of going from Eric as a client mm-hmm. to building up uh, enough uh, of an organization here, obviously, to catch the attention of someone uh, that you could actually sell. And by the way, did you mention what the exit was on that? How much was the exit? I don't ever talk about the specifics of how much I exited for. Okay, there's but a couple it, things you always remain quiet about. It was how it much eight, money you sold the company for, your love life, and all that kind of stuff. What, what, but it was eight figures plus. It was indeed. It was indeed. Okay, so take us through yes. the scale in terms of what happened, like because that's where a lot of people get stuck, right? They just like you. I mean, a perfect example. You get you find a client, you help them. I mean, we can't get into specifics. Obviously, it was twelve. You know, whatever ten years ago doesn't matter. The you know, that may not be at the top of mind right now, but what's probably at the top of mind is how you then began to grow the business. So, so how did you do that? Number one thing I think everyone should do is find themselves a a protector, a guard dog, someone that's going to keep the doors shut for you, um, accessing clients that aren't in your realm of expertise. So, I have my CEO, and she does an absolutely phenomenal job of telling people, sorry, Melissa can't do that. Sorry, she's not going to do that. That's not what she does. We aren't taking you on as a client because of that. No matter what amount of money you want to try to give us, we just cannot work with you. And so um, she answers the emails that need to be answered. She does the phone calls that need to be, you know, the people that want to have conversations with me and um, just don't get access to me. So the number one thing I think that everyone needs to do is get themselves a, a guard dog that guards the door to all the things and all the people that want access to you that shouldn't have access to you. Mm. Hmm. And so, okay, so so we find that, I mean, and for most people, I mean, I guess that would probably start out as a, as an assistant. I mean, you're, you're it's not going to start out as a CEO, so it would start out as a as a good assistant. But again, I'm just trying to understand how. Well, have you revealed revenue? Like, can you talk about where you were at in terms of revenue prior to sale? Prior to prior to your exit, the company? yeah, prior to your exit. Oh, I knew you guys were going to grill me, and I don't ever talk about this. And no, I'm not going to not going to say a specific number. Um, and the like yesterday, I had a conversation. The guy's like, "We we pin you at about thirty two million a year," and I was like. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah, right. You pin me whatever you want. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Like, you pick whatever you – I go, how'd you get to that number? Because I did want to know that because I was like, oh, well, tomorrow I'm going to be on a show where, you know, I make over $10 million a year, which is true. But 
I just want to know how you got to 32. So uh, Um, we don't, that's fine. We don't need to, we don't need to get crazy specific around that. I'll just, I'll throw out an assumption. It was, you know, 5 million in revenue, whatever it was. And you got a five X multiple or whatever that is. But um, actually, will you, can you, can you share at least what the multiple was? How was the exit number determined? Two and a half times. It was two and a half X revenue. Yes. Okay. So perfect. So whatever that number is, it doesn't matter. Let's just for for this conversation, let's just say it was five million and two and a half would put you over, put you over ten. How did you go from zero to five million? That's what I'm really trying to nail down here. Okay. So the first thing is you get yourself an executive assistant, and this person does. This person has potential to become the CEO or whatever position you want them to take, but mm-hmm. this person has to work side by side with you day in and day out. Um, and you have to figure out what are the very things that are making you the most revenue and who are you serving that brings you the most joy and fulfillment. So once you have this executive uh, assistant in place, your life gets a lot easier because they're doing, and Michelle lived with me. So, um, she did laundry, cooking, this is cleaning. Um, <laughs> she scheduled lawn care. She did all that. Now, mm-hmm. in the very, very beginning, I couldn't afford these things, so I did one thing at a time. The very first person that I, I hired was not an executive assistant. In fact, it was a chef. Um, so I took, you know, prepping food right off my plate. And then mm-hmm. as I progressed up the, up the chain, I made sure that everything that I didn't need to be doing that wasn't sales, I was not doing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super smart. So 100% of your effort was focused on sales. Richie, what were you going to say? Yeah, and I just, the elephant in the room is, like, you you talk about sales in a way you don't hear very many people talk about sales. You, you say it's fun. And yeah, I, I think it's fun. Steve thinks it's fun. But I'd love to hear your definition because obviously you had to pass that enthusiasm on to probably maybe employee two or three or five or whatever because you weren't doing all the sales. First, yeah. first wh- how do you see sales as fun? Well, I think it's just a conversation to be had. Like, if I walk into your office, I immediately know what you value based on what is on the walls, based on what you're reading, what your, you know, what your pictures say about you, what your awards say about you. So I'm more interested in like, hey, what do your kids do? What are your hobbies? What do you spend your weekends doing? Mm -hmm. And those things tell me a lot about who you are as a person. And that's the kind of um, emphasis I'm going to put in on the sales conversation because, the higher you climb up the chain in leadership and executive positions and in um, just company culture, people spend way too much time being serious and not enough time doing the things that bring them joy and fulfillment. Um, and they spend hundreds of hours working um, when they really could just put an emphasis on 30 hours of working or 50 hours of working and just have tons of fun doing that. So, um, I've done tons of things with my clients, and it's funny. Um, I met one of my clients in San Francisco. He owns a real estate firm in Denver, Colorado. Um, and I was—I happened to be driving San Francisco to Minneapolis, which is where I reside. Mm. And I said, hey, Andrew, like, the, the ski resort in Vail is only open one more week. I want to go skiing. And he was not a client yet. Um, and so he goes, you do this with all your clients. I'm like, I've been to Six Flags with them. I've run out in the rain and splashed and puddled with them. I do all kinds of crazy, fun, awesome stuff with my clients. And that's where the revenue generation comes from, from just understanding that you don't have to be stuck in an office. You don't have to be focused on, you know, the next big thing. As long as you're making 
your money work for you and you're enjoying the things that you do every day, you don't have to go to bed at night worrying about um, the stress because you're eliminating that by just enjoying the little things in life. So were you, were you when you're learning more about these people, were you using that information to make the sale or was that it was it more important for you to know them as a person because you wanted to work with that type of an avatar both um so of course i'm using this to to make the sale um i do things that a lot of people don't do i rip things out of magazine circle and be like bob hey i'm thinking of you um bob eventually becomes a client why because i'm physically sending bob stuff in the mail or i'm shooting him a quick little video like hey bob on this on the sleep East Slope of uh, Vail, Colorado, thinking of you because I know you love skiing. Mm-hmm. Um, just little things mean a lot to these people. Um, and the people that have tons of money or have, you know, um, very nice homes and cars are all about the experiences. So if you can create an experience from for someone from start to finish, they're much more likely to spend, yeah. you know, whatever they want to spend with you. And the other business owners that are below this or that don't quite make as much revenue um, generally don't know what fun is because they are just stuck in the mundane task of trying to figure out how to generate more revenue and do the things that make businesses tick every day. Yeah, it's much more transactional. So as you were growing the business, was it a matter of you would go out and you would sell a particular client on, uh, and assume contracting with you for X period of time to do X number of things and offer X number of services. So would you go out and sell it and then hire the people to fulfill it? it was that Mm-mm. the model as you were growing? No. No. So this is what I did that differentiated my consulting firm from every other consulting firm. Mm-hmm. I started a podcast called The Millionaire's Hot Seat. Uh, you may or may not know it. You mm-hmm. guys know it? Uh, I have listened to it only because I became familiar with it once you said you were going to be on the show. <laughs> okay. Well, yes. awesome. What did you think of it? Um, I think it's really well done. All right. So what I did to get myself in front of people that had money um, was I basically said, like, hey, I've got a podcast called The Millionaire's Hot Seat. I would love to have you. Ten questions, 30 minutes. We'll do audio. We'll do video. And, it's, you know, that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. At the end of it, I would say, why don't you come out to my house? Totally free. We'll spend three days together. We will have a private chef. I'll bring other millionaires in, and we'll just hang out and, you know, share ideas. What eventually started happening was 100 million deals would hundred million dollar deals would happen in my pool drinking pina coladas mm. or over the dinner table eating food that my chef had prepared or you know they would happen late at night when we know no one's in the office um and so it was just this family type of environment that i created and i still do this to this day mm. every december first second and third i send out personalized invitations that are handwritten from me to invite these guys to my house up here in Minneapolis and we just hang out. Um, and they have no expectation of what it's going to be like. I don't ever tell them what the three days is going to be like. I have no idea what the three days is going to be like, other than I've done this for many years and it's always worked. And it's just bringing a different dynamic to business. So again, it's not like let's sit in the boardroom and have a board meeting. It's like, let's 
have some good food. We know food breaks down barriers. Let's have some great conversations, see where it leads, and it oftentimes leads to hundreds of millions of dollars in additional revenue that wouldn't have been generated had we not brought people in an environment that was just fun. Yeah. But just so I'm clear, I mean, you're not, you're not putting yourself in the middle of that transaction. You're just getting people together, and then those people potentially turn into clients. Is that what you're saying? No. I, uh, of course, I take a piece of, of course the business. You do. Okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's equity. Sometimes it's cash. Sometimes it's a referral fee. It just depends on what exactly happened inside of the house. So it could be, like, two people decide to start a new business. Or... It could be, you know, I just gave somebody a referral. One of the things that I tend to do for these people, regardless if we do business together or not, so if they become a consulting client, that's awesome. If they don't, that's totally cool, too. I'll still give them um, referrals. And so what what happens is when people transact a business together, they just feel the need to give back to me, and that's awesome, and it oftentimes happens financially. Mm-hmm. And so, by the way, November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, um, I'm inviting you to come to – no, 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 uh, for me, November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, I'm inviting you to come to uh, San Diego. And uh, we're going to have a three-day get-together with uh, a private chef and other millionaires will be there, and I'd love for you to join us. (laughs) So is that uh, – Are you joking or are you for real? Well, I was joking, but if you're going to say yes, maybe we'll we'll get that going. No, it's, 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 uh, it's really, 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 it's super smart. And, uh, and so what, what I'm trying to understand, though, uh, and obviously being a little facetious around this, but I can see how it's a great idea. Maybe we'll do exactly that. Uh, but what I'm trying to really get a, a handle on here, then, is when you exited from your consulting business, and we'll get into the Ultimate Sales Summit. We'll get into that here in a second. Uh, but when you exited mm-hmm. from that business, how many employees did you have working full time when, uh, when you were at your peak? Zero. I don't make people work full time for me. I actually um, just offer them to do whatever they want. So my CEO right now, she does um, she does events with me, and I pay her a salary, and it's a really nice salary. Um, in fact, she costs me more than the venue. Um, but at the end of the day, she gets to go do what she loves to do, and she doesn't have to sit at the office wondering what her na- next task it. So a lot of the people that I employ or that I contract with have fairly large families. So these mm-hmm. families consist of between four and nine kids. Um, Wait, so I just, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I just need to go back for two seconds here. So <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm clear on this. So when you sold the consulting firm, mm-hmm. there, there were there were zero contracted employees? Like I'm, I'm trying to understand it, what what someone was buying then. What, what did that company actually buy? There was 19 contracted employees there was zero full-time ah so 90 okay so, so they were all I, 1099 yeah so when i think of full-time employee i think of you come to an office i w2 you you this is your only job yes yeah i'm talking about having 19 contracted employees that were allowed to do whatever they wanted mm-hmm. in addition to making sure their work for me was done and done gotcha. correctly and done right the first time yeah yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Did I say 1099? I meant W9. That would, uh, that would be more appropriate. So what, I mean, did you have a book of business, so to speak, that the buyer was investing in? Because, I mean, typically they, they buy EBITDA yeah. or they buy cash. I mean, they, they, they have a certain expectation of what's going to happen moving forward. So mm-hmm. what, what, there were contracts in place. There was runway. That's ostensibly what they were buying. 
There were actually, um, so they were also a consulting firm, and um, they were out of Atlanta, Georgia, and it was a husband and wife duo, and they not only bought the book of business, I actually personally introduced each one of my clients to them um, mm-hmm. and made sure that it was a, a proper fit for them before we moved me out of um, staying with the couple that bought it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I uh, I hear you, Richie. Any any questions about the consulting firm before we move on to the new endeavor? Well, I was just going to ask if you still have them come to your parties. <laughs> yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. So, mm-hmm. um, the the couple that has has the business now, they originally came to my house in two thousand fourteen, I think, mm-hmm. um, and we just continuously built a relationship. And that's one of the things that I love is whether or not I choose to do business with somebody. Um, is based on our relationship. Is it a long-term relationship? Is it a short-term relationship? And what does that actually look like? How much value can we bring to each other and how much of a resource can we be for one another? And and I do have one more question regarding that. When it came to, this is literally personally, I want to know. Um, mm-hmm. I love relationships too. I lo- the, that means everything to me. And that model just sounds incredible. But at the same time, like, did you say something ahead of time? Hey, if a business deal happens here, I'm going to get a piece of it. Mm. Or, you know what I mean? Was something set up front? Were they kind of expecting it? Because it's just so unique. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. They actually felt obligated to pay me a piece because I was so genuinely nice to them. And that was the weird thing because I personally never expected this. I was just like, I'm going to throw a party and whatever happens, happens. And so I remember um, there was a girl that flew in from Texas. And you'll know her if I say her name, but she came in and she goes, am I staying at your house? Am I staying at the hotel? Where am I staying? Um, and it, ha- it just so happened that there was another business owner coming up from ta- Dallas. And the two of them had never met, but they were like seven miles from each other. And I'm not sure why they didn't met. But when they came up, both of them stayed at my house. And I actually just let them have the keys to my cars. I let them stay in my bedroom and do whatever. And I left to our second property. And I was like, the house is yours. Eat whatever you want. Drink whatever you want have a good time and there was just really no expectation for them or really for me like they didn't know what they were getting into i didn't know what i was delivering other than a really good time that they couldn't get anywhere else mm-hmm. um so it was reciprocity it basically was, they, they were just like wow yeah, this was like, so amazing too good yeah and then once the checks kept coming you're like well this was already fun so i'm definitely going to keep throwing these parties mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so at year three what i did was i changed it a little bit I said, I love this. Um, all right, well, let me make let me make an offer to these guys. So the first offer was, hey, if you want to stick around and you want to come hang out at my house for two times a year, three times a year, you're more than welcome to. It's you know, it's twenty five thousand up front, and then if you find value, it's another twenty five grand halfway through the year. And then I did it uh, another level. Um, because not everyone was doing the same level of business. You'll find that there's a lot of people that stick between one and 10 million. And then there are some people that go over a hundred million in revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the second tier was, all right, it's 60,000 up front. And if you love what you're getting in terms of value, it's another 60 grand at the halfway point. Um, and so that was 120,000 per person per year. And that's sort of how I was able to maintain um, the value transactions. 
because I had to do these things more often. And I started doing them in different locations. So I, I've done one in San Diego. I've done some in Nashville. I've done some in Florida. I've done some in Minneapolis. And it's just, you know, uh, when you bring a massage therapist and you bring good food and you bring good people together, um, I know that people just say, like, there's no other place I want to be during those three days because I don't get to get away from my work. I don't get to get away from my family and my kids and my wife and just relax. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you this, and then we'll, uh, we'll move to the current endeavor, which uh, I think has, or probably already is, but uh, get more specifics around that. But uh, obviously it has the potential to be a, a huge brand for you, a huge moneymaker as well. But uh, just in closing the loop then on the on the consulting firm, as you look back on it, what what's the um, kind of that one, it, as you look back on the, the, the years of, of starting and scaling and exiting that business, what's, what's the one piece of advice you would give to someone as it relates to that business in terms of starting, scaling, or exiting? Don't look to do things for yourself in your own um, division of revenue. Look to do things for other people, and there will always be revenue there for you. And mm-hmm. it'll be in quantities of money you could have never dreamed to, to have mm-hmm. um, without doing the little things. Mm-hmm. So you took the I – mean, I assume you took some of those funds, you set them aside. You know, it's kind of my don't touch money. Is that, uh, is that safe to say? And then you, you're now taking a portion of that and investing into the Ultimate Sales Summit. Like, how did you treat the exit? Did you, do you have funds that are just earmarked for, hey, I won't touch these, I'm, I'm set? Like, what, what was your thinking – what is your thinking in terms of the exit funds? Um. So my first thing I did was let me find something that makes me happy and it doesn't matter what the price tag is. So I have a tendency to spend a lot of money. Everyone knows that. Um, It's Mm. not a secret um, because I feel like the better energy that you have, the more you can do with it. Mm -hmm. So you can contribute to charities. You can be philanthropic. You can give back and just do good. So I did not take the, the route of set aside funds and not touch them. I took the route of like, what can I do that's so large that people would be like, wow, uh, who is this girl? What's she doing? And how did she even get there? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's what I did. And I started dumping it into the ultimate sales summit and just dumping it into um, building bigger and building faster and <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, really just giving back. So, so just so I'm clear, I mean, that, that's a big risk. You're, you're basically trying to parlay 10, 12 years worth of work into, uh, a, potentially what could be a bigger payday or it could be literally bust here. So uh, that's, that seems a little dangerous no? Yeah, it is. I think everyone in my life would agree it's dangerous, but dangerous what got me here. And I think everyone would also agree that's done this kind of revenue before that um, when you're at a point of being happy, you don't worry about the risk as much as you would if you didn't have cash to play with and you didn't do this before. Mm-hmm. So because I've had that runway of 10 years, and I make sure people understand that, my reputation and integrity are everything, and I'm not going to do something 
or say something that I didn't do. Mm-hmm. So, for example, this week I've flown all over the country. Um, I've been on eight airplanes already. So I was in Dallas yesterday, and I flew in at 3 a.m., and I flew out at 4 p.m. because I promised Success North Dallas that I would be there to meet all their ultra wealthy. And there was no way I wasn't going to fulfill that promise. And I promised you guys I would be on the show today, and there's no way I wasn't going to fulfill that promise. I just don't make promises that I don't keep. So in doing this, um, I have this thing on my phone, and um, it actually says, I don't set goals, I set requirements. Hmm. hmm And so the idea of the Ultimate Sales Summit is you, you've created this arena-type event. How, how, where is this? Frisco? It's Frisco, Texas for the next one, right? It's Frisco, Texas for the next five years. So this is a company that I want to um, build to a billion dollars, or it'll be the first event company that goes public. So the venue itself is a $1.5 billion venue on a $5 billion strip owned by Jerry Jones, who is a billionaire. Mm -hmm. His family is involved in the actual event itself. Um, they, it is home to the Dallas Cowboys. It seats 18,500 people and it is very, very classy. They've never done an event like this before. So it's a work of progress between our team and theirs. Well, okay. So what, what is the idea here in terms of the, the ultimate sales summit? What, what, so this is a live event. What, what is the revenue model? What is the plan for it? What is the projected uh, revenue for, and this is the first year that you're doing it or you've done this before? Nope. First year. And so what's the projected revenue around this the first year and what's the, what's the overall vision in terms of revenue? I know you're talking about a billion dollar plus. I'm not going to tell you what my projected revenue is. (laughs) However, I will tell you it's well over 10 million. Um, Mm -hmm. we're already cash flow positive. So that's always a good thing because that's something you absolutely have to watch. And it's something that I would say, get out of startup mode as quickly as possible. And that's only possible when you have money to play with. Mm Um, and I don't even want to say play because it's an investment. Yeah. But at the end of the day, uh, the revenue model is very simple. First and foremost, this event is not a pitch fest. It's not a three-day energy drink, and it's not a motivational rah-rah. Mm-hmm. So we only have two of our speakers pitching from the stage. I am one of them, and Gene McNaughton is the other. So Gene was Tony Robbins' VP of sales. All of the 15 speakers have built multi-million dollars sales companies and are there specifically to teach sales. Now, we all know Grant Cardone does 10x growth con, um, but he doesn't teach sales. He teaches motivation, everything but sales. So Mm -hmm. this is specifically designed for sales, and it's specifically designed to attract salespeople in service-based businesses. Um, So that includes real estate and includes insurance. Um, I mean, like so many other, other venues consulting. Yeah. And then um, we broke the tickets into four categories. So 297 is general admission. Those are really going to be the salespeople that make between 50 and 70,000 a year. Um, and really, that's the majority of salespeople. Sure. Um, because if we're honest, not a lot of people have great sales talent. Um, the second category is 2750, and that's the middle of the road. These guys do make over 100, but they generally don't make more than. Two hundred fifty thousand, mm-hmm. um, and if they're good, they might make a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. The seventy five hundred dollar ticket, I purposely left that at. 
150 people because I know 250 people personally that have been to my house that make over a million or over a hundred million. And Naveen obviously makes over a billion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know that I can call those people and say, Hey, want to buy a ticket? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's sort of how I, how I designed the number. So there are, 14,500 general admission tickets, there are 3,500 middle-of-the-road tickets, and there are $250, $7,500 tickets. So you guys mm-hmm. can do the math. Yeah. Uh, and plus, <laughs> plus, I would think, sponsors, right? So you're going to have sponsors at the yes. event as well. So that's the, second, that's the second route of revenue. So sponsors is definitely one. We have 50 sponsors. Um, they range from JP and Associates, which is a, um, a company local to Frisco, Texas. They actually own a 1,000 um, tickets for the event already. They have 1,500 agents, 19 offices in the Dallas Frisco area. Um, and then we have companies like Infuse, which is a technology firm located in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, and the CEO of that firm exited his first company off of Wall Street for $210 million. Mm-hmm. And so, so, as, um, so we, we get it from the uh, from the attendee standpoint. So from a sponsor standpoint, what like what is a typical sponsor paying, and, and what do they get? Yeah, so sponsors range anywhere from twenty five thousand to five hundred thousand, um, and it depends on where you are. So if you're a small business, you probably want to come in at the twenty five thousand dollar range, and that's because on Friday we um, are sponsored by Lincoln Motor Company. So Lincoln has been gracious enough to give us their showroom, so we can do a black and gold gala. And Garadelli and Lint Chocolate are coming in and doing chocolate fountains, chocolate mm-hmm. cakes, chocolate everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's for VIPs. And then Saturday and Sunday is the main event. Kicks mm-hmm. off at two thirty on Saturday, runs till about ten o'clock at night. It ends with the world-renowned hypnotist who's done over four thousand stages. Um, he too is a multimillionaire. So mm-hmm. every single person. Um, that I work with tends to be in that that range. Um, and then Sunday we're going to run from 9 a.m. till about 10 p.m. at night again. Mm-hmm. And then Monday we're going to do masterminds again, sponsored by Lincoln Motor Company. So mm-hmm. um, it could go anywhere from 25 grand to 500 thousand. They get the six foot by 10 foot booth. Mm-hmm. They get the um, jumbotron. They get the logos on the swag bags and yeah. all the gear, uh, the napkins. Yeah, so this is um, not a, it's, it's not at Cowboy Stadium though. You're doing it at, a, at an adjunct venue, right? But it's still part of that Jerry Jones whole facility over there. Yeah, it's the Cowboys practice facility, and the Cowboys yeah. will actually be in the house practicing the day of the event. So all the attendees are more than welcome to watch the Cowboys practice. The cheerleaders will be involved in some capacity, and the Omni. Um, it's actually connected to mm-hmm. the Cowboys workout stadium where you can actually work out. Nice. Um, where the Cowboys work out. So what, uh, and what will your offer be? Since uh, you said you'll be offering something as well, what what will your offer be and what are your expectations in terms of conversion? So when you look at a stage like this, obviously it's your first time doing the event, you'll get your offer dialed in for the next few, but uh, what, what are you thinking out of the gate you're going to be offering? What's the price point? What do you think uh, will happen from a conversion standpoint? Yeah, great question. Um, and I've got a couple ideas. I haven't specifically dedicated myself to a single ideal i do know that i'm not going to be the one to offer you know please sign up for my online program i just don't yeah i know there's plenty of money to be made there that's Mm -hmm. just not my thing my Mm -hmm. thing is more come to my house work with me one-on-one in a very intimate setting with a bunch of high-level people or let's go to exotic places and have a ton of fun Mm -hmm. um that's more my thing so so it's gonna have to be a six-figure plus oh yes yes 
Yeah. So um, I've already sort of pinpointed about 150 grand per per investment. We'll see um, because it, you know, I still have 11 weeks to sort of toy around with that yet. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So this is coming up. I mean, we're talking about October. It's not that far off. Where where are you at right now with ticket sales, and and how are you marketing this as a as a as a new event, and what sort of resources are you allocating towards marketing to fill this thing? Yeah. So we've got a couple different ways that we're doing it. Um, some of the speakers have filled venues of 40,000 plus before. Um, and many of them have had their own events for many years. So for example, John Shin owns world financial group. He has a 40,000 person event coming up here in August in Las Vegas at the MGM grands and uh, one of the other larger venues there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just at John's event last weekend in Los Angeles speaking to his crowd and we sold tons of tickets because of that. So we've already sold over 4,000 tickets. Mm. Um, and if we're going off of different variation models, um, I mentioned earlier, JP's already bought a thousand, a thousand tickets for his real estate agents. Um, the thing is using Facebook ads and Instagram ads, um, using the power of email marketing and affiliate marketing and having one of the best PR companies in the country, which is Real News Communications, um, run by Jeff and Sarah Crilly, and my personal relationships. Yeah. So that's, that's really how we're utilizing um, our marketing dollars to build what, what we want to Yeah, no, I get you. Yep. No, I got you. So, I mean, we're, I don't know, whatever it is, 60, 75 days out, whatever it'll be. Uh, you're 78, gonna have to, baby. 78, right? <laughs> so, I mean, just in terms of running the math here, I mean, you're, you're going to have to be cruising at about 150 to 200 tickets a, a day then to get that thing sold out. How how confident are you? Oh, I'm super confident. Yeah. If you ask my CEO, she's like, we need to come up with plan B through Z. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't ever mention the number. So she, <laughs> mm-hmm. she's done thousands of events in the last 23 years. She's very, very amazing at what she does. Her name is Aggie Cobran and her and her husband, Mike, um, both work for me and they run a company called CEC global out of LA. Mm-hmm. So Mike and Aggie have done this over and over. I remember Mike sitting down with me, um, Aggie there, but Mike can be a 90 line item expense list. And I will never forget this because no one has handed me something so freaking detailed. Yeah. So, (laughs) um, and just from a revenue perspective in terms of, I mean, obviously you're thinking about on the, on the inside, on the outside, what are you going to have to invest into this all in, do you think to, to get the venue and to fill it and and so on and everything else you've got expense wise on it? What's the, what's the budget number on the, on the event? <laughs> that's not for discussion. <laughs> yeah. Several, uh, it, it's nearing the seven figure mark. Mm-hmm. We'll say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And your uh, goal is to do this annually then moving forward, or would you take it to other countries and do it more than once a year? What, what's your, what's your long-term plan around this? Dallas next five years, mm-hmm. same venues, same sponsors, same speakers, really just focusing in on creating a family type environment. And this is the cool thing. Like I hang out with these people, like they are my family. So uh, one of them came up to Bemidji, Minnesota just last week and wanted to go fishing. And he brought his two brothers and his parents. And he's like, if you want to join us on a family vacation, you're more than welcome to. I totally did. Went down and spent some time with John. Um, John's got 18 super exotic cars. We drove around in a $550,000 Rolls Royce. 
um, took the Bentley out, just really had a great time, spent it with him and his four children and his wife, Arlene. Um, I was out in Dallas and I spent it with um, Bill and Jennifer and their four children. So I really just love creating a family atmosphere that brings tremendous value to the community. So no, I'm not Mm going to move the venue and I'm not going to move anything, but it is like building a Super Bowl. So you really have to stay focused on the end goal. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. So you've obviously had an opportunity to to build the one business to exit from that business. You're now building this, this second business. What are some of the things that you absolutely will not be doing for this second go around that you that you did the first go around, so some of the mistakes that you made that you absolutely won't replicate. Well, this one is much more on a on a larger scale. There's more people involved, right? So there's a lot more teams that do a lot more things. So in consulting, you don't need AV teams and security teams and ticket teams and. Uh, management teams and all of that. You have one very specific team delivering a client a service that needs to get an ROI and needs to get um, results. The opposite is true here. So I've got portions of revenue from every single one of our sponsors, ranging anywhere from 20 to 80% of whatever they sell at their booth. So that's the third revenue model that I didn't talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's not a speaker or a sponsor that hasn't given me a a portion of the sales. And again, that's because they trust trust me, they know me, they like me, and I've got the reputation and integrity to do this. Um, That's just sort of what it looks like. Mm -hmm. But in terms of what you, the mistakes that you made the first go around that you won't replicate uh, this go around, what, what are some of those mistakes? Well, I wouldn't be so naive. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably wouldn't uh, depend on my own ideas. In fact, I wouldn't depend on my own ideas. Mm-hmm. I've taken plenty of ideas. So a lot of people don't know. I wanted a venue in New Jersey. People are like, you can't do that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I've wanted to do certain marketing tactics like billboards or magazine ads. And people are like, don't do that. That's a bad idea. So because I'm not an expert in the event field, I go to experts in that field. Um, in the consulting field, I was an expert. So I knew that space in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, for me, it's a lot more trust in other people. Um, and that's kind of scary. Yeah, It's not that I didn't trust my team in consulting. I did, but I trusted them to a different level. Yeah, no, totally, totally makes sense. So as far as the the event itself goes, as, as you're looking at what's going to happen here in, in October and, and, of course, then moving forward, uh, is this a brand that you're looking to expand upon? Because obviously the ultimate, you know, blank summit gives you a lot of, mm, shall we say, flexibility. So is the ultimate sales summit just one of? Uh, the brands that you're potentially going to be developing in terms of the cut, co- you said you want to take this company, this event company public. Is it your plan then to move into other arenas as well? No, no. So you're just going to Absolutely keep it. Not. Yeah. I am very, very focused on being the only, um, the only event company that focuses strictly on sales and making it known that we are specifically designed for salespeople, businesses, and entrepreneurs that want more sales. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people shy away from that. And you actually know that you cannot check on a government form that you're in sales. So even the government hates sales. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to make it a point that sales is not a dirty word. It's not something that has to be miserable. It's something that can be fun. It's something that can make you a ton of money. And it is the only occupation that can change the legacy of your family tree. The only one. Doctors, dentists, lawyers, they do not allow you to make investments, get education, buy homes, cars, um, and do a lot of other things that sales will allow you to do. With one signature of a contract, your entire life can change. And so I will say I grew up in a town of 300 in Northeast Iowa that's not missing any zeros, it's 300. And I was very poor, which is how I got into sales because I couldn't afford a bike and my sister needed one too. So I went door to door knocking. And that's how I got into sales when I was seven years old. And I've done every kind of sale under the sun since. But mm-hmm. um, if I wasn't broke, then I wouldn't know what it's like to have to, you know, be rejected, have the phone hung up in my face and do all those other things. And that's the thing that uh, salespeople struggle with is, is the massive amount of rejection that we face every single day, the amount of no's that we get given. Um, because it doesn't seem possible. It's like, you know, someone running a four-minute mile. Until that person thought it was possible and did it, no one else thought it was possible. Therefore, nobody else did it. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say I, I love the model set up because if you say to everybody, even at the conference, we're here for five years, this is the way it's working, and you you have this story with this family model <laughs> like this, and um, it's almost like – the goal of the person that buys the 795 ticket is to be the, the one up the next year. And then the other guy who buys the, you okay over there, Steve? (laughs) He's trying to, he was trying, (laughs) he's looking for his black card to get the high end sales ticket there. Um, But yeah, it just, it just seems, it just seems like that model's perfectly set up. And I'm wondering if you did it in that way where literally they're aspiring to get the next ticket up the next year. Or if that just means um, so, yeah. So this is what I did. We we have this discussion internally. Heck, we have many discussions internally. Some I agree with, some I don't agree with. But one of the discussions that we have is is about live streaming. And I said the venue is a one point five billion dollar venue. We're not live streaming. If you want the experience, you come to the venue. You make sure that you get to flight the hotel and you get the whole experience. And we just had a guy email us this morning. He goes. Um, I, I'm going to be out of the country and I really, and he emphasized that in all couple capital letters, want to be a part of this. And he owns a financial company in, in Frisco. Sorry, you got to rearrange your schedule to be there because that's the only way you can have the experience. And it's because I created that in my home, um, with the millionaires. So I know how vital that experience is for you to sit behind a computer and not interact with these people that are accessible to you. Doesn't, it doesn't compute it just doesn't work yeah so i said no live streaming we're not doing that if yeah. you want it you come out yeah totally get that well look melissa really do appreciate you sharing all the details around the consulting firm that you built there and uh and of course your plans uh for the ultimate sales summit and wish you the best around that and i'm sure it will be unbelievably successful as everything that uh, you seem to touch is so congrats on all of that <laughs> if people want more information uh, about you or the Ultimate Sales Summit, where, where are the best places for them to go? Uh, the ultimate sales summit.com or you can 
you can text me and ask me questions. I'm totally open to that. I give my cell phone number out all the time. So mm-hmm. you can call or text 563-419-1101. Um, and I'm go. happy to answer any questions that you guys have. Yeah, um, appreciate that. What's, what's the biggest value that I can bring to you guys? Well, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. I now have your number. I'll, uh, I'll text you and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll figure out exactly Good. what that is, but you know, really, uh, like I said, really do appreciate your, your candor. I know there were some things that you couldn't answer or wouldn't answer and that's okay too. I mean, we, you know, we can only ask the questions and you can say yes or no. And that's, I guess that's the same thing with sales, right? You ask the questions and they just say yes or no. It's pretty much as simple as that. Or maybe. So appreciate your no candor. No maybes. I don't do maybes. It's yeah. funny because some dude yesterday was like, I need my wife <laughs> to approve a $297 ticket. I was like, this is my favorite line of all time. So for anybody that's getting rejected, you've got to use this line. What is it? It's so, are you the decision maker? And every man you say that to automatically gets offended. They're mm. like, what? How could you just ask me if I was a decision maker? Of course I am. Mm-hmm. Well, if you are, then get your damn credit card out. <laughs> and then there you go. <laughs> All right, Melissa, thanks so much. Really do appreciate having you on. We'll, uh, we'll be in touch about the hot tub and the uh, pina coladas. We'll, uh, we'll try to find a time to hang for all that fun stuff. So, again, get more information there at uh, around the Ultimate Sales Summit. Just Google Ultimate Sales Summit or just text Melissa, and she'll, uh, she'll answer your questions. But, you know, I got I to gotta tell you from my perspective, uh, I don't know that I would risk it all if uh, if I had that big payday, I mean, I will say that 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 is one of the things that stands out to me around the conversation uh, is her willingness to parlay that. But I guess once you figure out the success formula, you feel like you can replicate it any time. What's, what's your taking on that, Richie? Yeah, I mean, what's well, obvious, she loves what she's doing. That's super obvious. And yeah. she, you know, she'll share things, but it, she doesn't have to share everything, right? Mm-hmm. The truth, nothing but the truth, but she doesn't have to share the whole truth. Yeah. So she could still have her house paid off and the cars you know what i mean like i'm sure she's yeah it's not parlaying everything mm-hmm. but to her point like she she'd like to play dangerous you know and, yeah. and go for it and that that's part of and she's really young yeah that that was my literally my very next thing is she's got all kinds of life ahead of her too so yeah and I, I, man 25k to 500k on the sponsorships i mean i don't know what uh, you know, CES and some of the other, like even Comic-Con here in San Diego right now, I don't know what they charge for some of their booths, but I mean, that seems to, that seems to be on the higher end of things as far as, uh, what I've seen. So boy, kudos to her, man. But, uh, all right, let's do this. We're, we're going to have to wrap here on the best business podcast and uh, super excited for all the upcoming guests that we got coming on. So be sure to check us out for the future episodes and we'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to beyond eight figures. Share your thoughts on today's episode and what you'll apply to your business by emailing us at feedback at beyondafigures.com. And if you haven't already done so, we'd greatly appreciate it if you took a moment now to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Until next time, keep scaling.